Clary is growing because people are what we value most. So whether you are hammering nails or at our corporate office, we'd like you to join the Clary team. Visit careersatclary.com today. Now I'm laughing at him. Now I got to be the first coach in the history of college football that's ever been accused of running up the score on Ohio State. You're listening to Barry Alvarez in his own words, a production of iHeartRadio. This is Matt LePay. We want to thank our supporting sponsors. Annex Wealth Management. Financial independence starts with a comprehensive plan that understands you and your priorities. Annex Wealth Management's team is ready to help consider all the complexities. Know the difference. Mueller Sports Medicine is proud to sponsor Barry Alvarez in his own words. For 60 years, Mueller has been developing better products to protect athletes and enhance performance. Learn more at MuellerSportsMed.com. Cleary Building Court, built with pride before the shamrock supply. Visit ClearyBuilding.com to explore our buildings. Fiduciary Real Estate Development Inc., where every day we are living the difference for our residents, our communities, and our investors. Wheels Up. Download the Wheels Up app to explore private jet options and pricing for your next trip. Under Armour, the only way is through. Episode three, Barry Alvarez, in his own words, we have had a lot of fun here the first two episodes uh, going down memory lane. We've got a few more to go. And we thought for this one that maybe we would we just kind of pluck some games, the non-bowl edition. The list that I wrote down, I did not include what many refer to as the Dane game, the uh, the record-breaking yep. game against Iowa. We could get there. But I think, Barry, it's, it's kind of fun for folks – who either are new and have no idea uh, where this program was when you arrived as opposed to where it is these days. But I think even for those who were, it's a fun refresher. You go back, you know, to those early years. And I think of that 1991 game at Minnesota, you know, the program's trying to get a road win in the big 10. It had been a while uh, trying to win a big 10 game period. And the way you guys, you got better as the year went on, even in 90, you were competitive far more often than not. But 91, the Minnesota game, you finally started to break through a little bit. Didn't we started understanding how to play and, and, and getting more confidence. We still lacked offensive personnel and offensive firepower. You know, we just struggled to move the ball. A lot of our, our best players were still really young. Defensively, we were, I thought we were pretty good. But uh, we ended the season with back-to-back wins, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But we hadn't won one on the road in the Big Ten for, for a while. So this is my first win. But we go up there, and, and you know, their, their record's better than ours. Uh, they, have a, they have a nice team. And uh, I can remember playing that game thinking, boy, we're playing well. And one of the officials even told me, wow, you guys are playing well. Well, but the thing we did, we didn't beat ourselves. We weren't yeah. turning it over. We didn't have any foolish penalties. We'd move the ball enough. We'd get first downs. But, you know, the game comes down to making a play at the end. And thank goodness it was the defense that had to make the play. It's, uh, it's impressive. It's a memory that, you know, Jim Huber, um, who was on both sides of this, and actually after that game, he went from their side to, to your side, our side, so to speak, at, at Wisconsin. Mel Tucker, right, breaking yeah. up a pass in the end zone. They had a guy, Pat Evans. It looked like, oh, when the ball's in the air, I'm sure Badger fans were all holding their breath, everybody yeah. on the sideline. 
just a, a big-time play and a big moment. Yeah. Pat Evans from, I believe, Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Jim Huber recruited him. I believe his dad played at Notre Dame, by the way. Okay. Um, but anyhow, Mal Tucker, the new head coach at, at Michigan State, unloads on him. I mean, it was a huge collision. Probably today that uh, he would be called for it. I'm sure he led with his head. Mm -hmm. But he blew him up. And Evans was a big player, yep. big strapping tight end. But he separated him from the ball to win the game. And uh, it just feels so good. And the thing, then Jim Huber comes with us, and I really learned from Hubes how much effort Minnesota had put into that game telling the history of the acts and how important it was. And we were just taking it as another game. That was a, a, a bad mistake. And so after that year, we really started putting more emphasis in the game. And Jim in particular, well, you've given your share of the history lessons too, but Hubes, Hubes enjoyed yeah. educating the guys on what this was all about, right? Yeah, Hubes uh, – Really a lot. He, he came up with some stories, the Pug Lund story. <laughs> Pug Lund. Now, this is comes from the Minnesota side. Sure. But it tells how important the game is. Pug Lund from Rice Lake, Wisconsin, playing for Minnesota, breaks his finger, dislocates his finger, and they tell him he can't play. They can't tape it up. He has him amputate his finger at halftime. Anything's, anything's worth a victory over the Badgers, as Puglund would say it. You know, that's how important the game was. He gave up a finger so that he wouldn't fumble the football. <laughs> he loved it. We used to, we would do these uh, shows every week, and you know, Minnesota week, it, it never got old to me. I, I just enjoyed yeah. listening to him, because I know he enjoyed telling those stories, but those games at the Metrodome, too, that was always, I mean, that was a late season game. But it was always it always felt like it was about 100 degrees in there, right? Yeah. Noise everywhere because look, Gopher fans don't like the Badgers. Badger fans don't like the Gophers, so that leads to a yeah. great environment. And, and, and you had to learn. I, you know, I think back. You know, after you play there for a while, you realize it's very dry in there. Mm -hmm. So the guys get dehydrated. Yep. Fans get dehydrated, <laughs> and so uh, you really had to spend a lot of time educating your players two days before the game really consuming a lot of water. You had to hydrate before the game, not just during the game. That has to be done days before the game. Mm -hmm. So there was, there was just so much to learn. Uh, and as you go along, you gather all this information and hope that it makes a difference in the ball game. That was the Badgers' first Big Ten road win in five years. They had won at Northwestern back in 1986. And you're right, the way you guys finished, you, you came back the following week at Camp Randall and you put it to Northwestern. I remember the snow was falling. It had all the, all the atmosphere that you expect in a late-season Big Ten game. You guys throttled Northwestern. It was 32-14, I want to say, was the final. And... Hopes were hopes were really elevated, yeah. right? It's like yeah. you felt like okay, maybe starting to turn this around a little bit. Well, now. the guys started, you know, they started understanding how to win and understanding what we were looking for, and understanding if you don't make, you know, most teams will beat themselves. You don't have to beat them; they'll beat themselves if if you don't make mistakes, if you don't have, have penalties, foolish penalties, if you don't turn it over, you capitalize in the red zone, even if you kick a field goal. Uh, all the things that we had been preaching, that started to register with them. And, and uh, so you, you win that close one on the road. That, that was huge for us. And then uh, the next week we 
boy, that gave us a lot of momentum going into the next year. And then speaking of that next year, the next game that we feature, the 92 game against Ohio State. In our last uh, podcast, you talked about the atmosphere there, Kirk Herbstreet, Steve Tovar, and what um, – what the police officers were advising them to do, wear a helmet as you get ready to get on the field. But, Barry, I'm, I'm watching the, the condensed version of that game recently on Big Ten Network. And, you know, today, in today's football, it's a lot of, you know, spread them out, get guys in space. This was not that. It was no. not for the meat. That was no. a There was no place to hide on that field that day. I mean, there were some physical cats playing. And, you know, Tovar, he was a giant linebacker. Mm-hmm. He's every bit of 6'4". Play probably six four plus, maybe two forty five at least, and could r- move around. And he, well, he brought a load. He played in the NFL a long time, but he was one of the captains. And uh, our guys, you know, Gary Casper, you know, Herb Street still talks about Gary Casper. He met him at the kickoff luncheon, and he said, "I, I go out at halftime to shake hands with Gary Casper. He's got his eyes are painted like you know one of those WW." Uh, <laughs> F wrestlers, you know, he's he's out there, you know, his eyeballs are just looking through me, you know, mm-hmm. and he's screaming during the game at me. And I'm, he said, if you were a meek, mild player, I mean, he he'd scare you to death. You know, so and Casper had some big plays and big hits in that game. Oh, he did. Remember, late Ohio State had scored. You guys were up 20 to 10. They go down the field and score. Um, take advantage of a penalty or two. They they pull it to 2016, and they end up going for two. There was a penalty on a PAT, so they until John Cooper with the ball at the one and a half. They go for two, and Herb Street gives it to Raymond Harris, who's ready to dive over the top. Logical kind of play to try, and Gary Casper is diving over the top as well. That was a violent collision, yeah. and it was just kind of epitomizing. And Herb Street got. Herbstreit got roughed up a little bit in that game. He got sacked a lot. We chased him around. He talks about, look at the red. He, he ha, has a picture of a red spot on the back of his jersey. He claims it's a tomato that hit him on his way out on the field. But I tell you what, it, he got rattled more during the game because we had a lot of pressure on him. I think Chad Yoakum uh, really put pressure on him, had several sacks during the game. But, uh, you know, he didn't have a lot of time to get rid of the ball. Yeah. And Dan McCartney was putting, you know, we were blitzing him and going after him. Now we weren't going to let him get comfortable. And you guys still, you had to run out the clock. And Bren Moss had to fight for, he had eight, and I looked look this back up again. He had 89 yards, and they were all hard. Yeah. Two touchdowns. And then Mark Montgomery ends up dragging, it looked like, probably half the Ohio State defense with him. It was a third down. You, you move the sticks one more time, you win the game. And big, burly Mark Montgomery yeah. just carried people with him. He was a tough, tough kid. He was tough and was a good captain. You know, he was he was a good captain for us, good leader for us. And uh, he didn't get to carry it much. He was he was a lead blocker for, for Brent and, and Terrell. But when he got it, you know, he, he had deceiving speed and extremely strong. It was fun watching the replay of that because the place was full. The place was electric. And the fans, who I think were kind of gathering that things were turning anyway, yeah. that was like, okay, it's on your way back. You know, the scene I'm sure in the locker room was wild. You yeah. get a ranked opponent that you're able to knock off for the first time. First time the program has done that in a while. Pretty electric day. Yeah, that sends a message around the country that these guys, you know, and, and there was no shortcut and it wasn't a fluke. Mm-hmm. You know, we they, they came after us and we went after them. There weren't any gimmick plays, trick plays. It was just two teams going at it. And, you know, I always sold 
the guys when I recruited him and we worked out in the non-conference and and I see the guys out there working today. You know, your out-of-season conditioning is really important in our weights training. It was all devised to beat Ohio State and Michigan. You had to be more physical than they were because most of the time they recruited better than everyone else in the league. Uh, the only way you could beat them is be as sound or more sound and be as physical or more physical. And uh, our guys were sold on that. I heard them talking. As a matter of fact, I, a, a BTN had something on a week ago, and they brought up two different Wisconsin games. You know, the one where Gibby was blocking down on him, and they were fighting on his sidelines because not uh, <laughs> Vrabel and his other backup. They were fighting. Neither one of them wanted to play and have Gibby blocked down. And, and they mentioned that I recruited guys that were really physical to focus on beating beating Ohio State. And there was that's, that's pretty much the truth. Yeah, those were the kind of games where you noticed no matter what the score ended up being, you wanted to see like, if you came up short against Ohio State or Michigan on a given week, you wanted to see how those teams played the following week because there was yeah. some lingering effect there, wasn't there? Yeah. If you followed us in the way we played over the years, take a look at the, t- the record of the team that plays the next week. Mm-hmm. If you're a better you want to bet against them. If they're given points, take the points. But they're not going to play well. I'll share a story with you. Joe Paterno, when he came into the league, they came in here after the game we played with them in 96 with Ronnie, and it was a great game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat us 34-31. Yep. But it was a fist fight too. And Paterno calls me on Tuesday just to tell me he was impressed with my team. You know, we're not far away. I mean, we, we were a pretty good team. We lost some real close games. But, but to share with me how physical we were, and he said, I just came out of a staff meeting. We haven't practiced yet this week. We haven't practiced. Probably won't be able to get on the field because we're so beat up. He said, now, I'm, we just decided in, in our staff meeting, we're going to change how we recruit. We can't hold up in the Big Ten. I mean, we're trying to get smaller, fast guys, and your guys are knocking them all over the place. Um, you can't recover. I mean, you've got to be able to play week to, week after week. You know, I think they played Ohio State the next week, and it was ugly. Right, right. You know, so that's that was the effect of it. And if you don't know an, about football and how physical those games were, you'd never put two and two together. you think, oh, the guys, you know, they had a letdown or poor coaching. But they're just beat up. Yep. I remember that game you're referring to, too. Ron, Ron had a couple. He had a lot of runs like this, I guess. But this was his freshman year. And he had a couple runs, one for a touchdown, where I thought I was watching Earl Campbell. Yeah. I mean, just shredding people, just throwing people Run right off. over. It was incredible. Yeah. It was just just incredible. Let's jump to uh, to 99 now. And it comes back to Ohio State again. You you had a obviously a – a really good team on your hands, a team that had won the Rose Bowl the previous year, the supposed worst team to represent uh, the Rose Bowl, and according to Craig James, and you guys went on to beat UCLA, and the bar was high the following year. So you go into Ohio State the week before, you can't. You guys came up short against Michigan. Brooks came in late in the came game, in late. led you on a touchdown drive, and I'll never forget when we were doing your coach's show the next day, I think JP, well, I know JP, John Palermo was in there and we're walking out and you had the feeling that got a quarterback. Yeah. You found found an answer. You went to Ohio State and it's 17 nothing Ohio State. What were you thinking yeah. at that well, time? Well, we didn't announce that Brooks was going to start. 
But I, I was really impressed how well he played. And, you know, it's hard to to uh, to unseat a fifth year, you know, a senior quarterback. Yep. Scott, Scott Cavanaugh, Cavanaugh had yep. been around, been in the program, but we all felt that Brook, Brooks had the potential to to do more things and and uh, he could he can move the ball with his feet. He's a great leader. He's good in the huddle. So we we decided that week we're going to make that change. And and I, I thought Scott really handled it very well. Those aren't easy to sit, you know, things to accept as a as a senior player. But thought he handled it very well. But we just started slow. We we started the game slow. But uh, and I'm upstairs. I you know I'm watching. Remember that's I, I went the next day to Mayo Clinic. I had a I had to have a knee replaced. My my knee was about I don't know five six times the size of it. It, it was a mess. Found out yep. found out it was there was an infection as well as uh, my knee totaled. But uh, I'm watching it from upstairs, and I just we're just not crisp. We're just missing a little something. And, you know the guys they they laugh today. They tease me about the <laughs> halftime talk. You know when when they imitate me, they get my, my voice raises apparently. And, <laughs> and, uh, I came down, I was banging around, banging stuff around and yelling and screaming. And I did, I told them, we're going to knock, we're, you know, we're receiving it. We're kicking off. Then we're down 17 and they get mm, the ball. Yep. And I said, we're going to go down and knock that ball. And it went from there. And sure enough, we do, we go down the kid name was named Wiley out of San Diego. Mm-hmm. We go down, knock the ball loose. I think we had scored it. We, it was 17, three. Three or six, you might have kicked a couple, but whatever. It was not going well. But yeah, no. you, but you're right. Yeah, you we kicking off. We get that, off. and we go right down and score after that, and then proceed to put 42 unanswered on them. <laughs> I mean, that was impressive what our guys were doing now. Ooh. And, and uh, Ronnie's running up and down the field, and we had a nice, you know, we had a nice change up. They'd, they'd overload the run, and we'd run a boot or something. And we just we had a great rhythm, and we. We just got momentum, and they, they couldn't stop our momentum. That was, that's about as impressive a win as I think I've ever had, and uh, and as rewarding as I've ever had. I had a, I had a group from uh, from my hometown. I probably lived by car two and a half hours from there. Sure, I grew up in a small town, western Pennsylvania, and so there was a busload that came from there, <laughs> and I always liked to go there, play Ohio State. I always loved to play Ohio State, and. Uh, and I'd see all my buddies afterwards, but it's especially nice after you went 42-17. <laughs> but you know this story. I'm in a wheelchair, and they're wheeling me out of the locker or the press box after the game, and the Ohio State fans spot me, and they start dog cussing me. They were getting after me unmercifully. They accusing me of running the score up, and I just started laughing. Now I'm laughing at them. Now I got to be the first coach in the history of college football that's ever been accused of running up the score on Ohio State at at yeah, the shoe in their stadium, right? <laughs> it was it was incredible. I, I'm we're up there in the in the press box when they're up seventeen nothing. I'm thinking I'm afraid the the route might be on. Well, it, it was it was you guys routing yeah. forty two straight, and uh, it was almost like they were kind of waving the white flag late. Ronnie got yeah. going. Is it fair to, to say too, Barry, that that Brooks gave? It was a different dimension because in time teams had they had to respect his ability. Yeah, he to, to he tuck could, the ball away. He could and, pull it down yeah. and move the chain. He, you know the thing that kills a defense. Uh, you do everything right, and the quarterback pulls it down. You have pressure on him. He makes one person miss, or he steps up in the pocket, and everybody's in coverage, 
and he runs for the first, moves the chains with his feet, or more than that, gets a, a big hit. And he'd do that occasionally, and, and he certainly was capable of that. Or you could get him out on the edge, where if he breaks containment, he could run or throw it. But he, he brought a lot to the game. Mm-hmm. You know, Brooks was a natural. Growing up with a, a coach as a father, you know, he grew up in the locker room. He knew what coaching was. And well, I can re- remember as a true freshman, his year before that, you know, we're getting ready for a game. We're getting ready to pay, play Penn State to go to the Rose Bowl, win the league. And Mike Samuels, it's a Thursday practice. And Mike Samuel is having a hideous day. <laughs> I mean, I, I watched, I didn't see him complete one pass in seven on seven or team. So I go down, I stop the offensive practice, and I blow up at him. Uh, here's a freshman court. He's a redshirt freshman quarterback. He comes up, he grabs me, turns me around, sit, looks me right in and kind of whispers in my ear, Coach, it's Thursday. You're supposed to be building confidence. <laughs> Veteran savvy from a uh, freshman. I, I had to laugh at that one. I said, if I praised him and gave I mean, you guys would think I was crazy. He hasn't completed a pass all day. <laughs> Classic Bollinger. I believe that, too, from Bollinger. We'll take a break, and we'll have more of Barry Alvarez in his own words right after this. The question hounding most folks thinking about or in retirement is, do I have enough? Annex Wealth Management asks, do you have enough comprehensive planning? Your plan should consider far more than today's markets. Financial independence includes details like rising health care costs, tax planning, and how much risk you'd like to encounter. When you're ready for answers to tough questions, to take a serious look at where you are and where you're headed, let's talk. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. Hi, I'm Sean Cleary for Cleary Building Corp. Since 1978, you have allowed us to protect what you value. Visit clearybuilding.com today to see the Cleary difference. Mueller Sports Medicine was founded more than 60 years ago by former University of Wisconsin basketball player turned registered pharmacist Kurt Mueller, who coined the term sports medicine. Mueller has been developing better braces, supports, and tapes to protect athletes from injury and keep you active in the game of life. Mueller's sports medicine products can be found in training rooms across the world with a presence in more than 100 countries. It's also expanded into the overall health and wellness segment for all audiences. If you're active and looking for the right brace, support, or tape to perform at your best, Mueller's sports medicine is the right brand for you. Look for Mueller Sports Medicine products in Walmart and Walgreens stores and online at Amazon and MuellerSportsMed.com. Barry Alvarez, in his own words, we continue with episode number three of our series going down memory lane. Okay, the Badgers had just won by a lot at Ohio State. Barry, you're getting getting the business from the fans in Columbus for running up the score against the Buckeyes in their home stadium. You felt great about the win, but your knee was a mess. I I remember it almost like it happened yesterday. You you, you had all the symptoms of the flu, right? You had the the sweats. You were pale. I was was sick. I mean, there was was a really bad infection. Mm -hmm. And I I had tried so many things throughout the year, you know, injections, different injections. And somewhere along the way, it it got infected. And it was was swollen. I mean, it hurt. But not only that, it was, you know, all I had to do probably was touch it and see how hot it was and know you have an infection. But uh, I was in pain the whole year, and, and that's when, you know, the week before Pat Richter said, you're getting that taken care of. So I, had, I was set 
uh, the next morning, and we went home on the plane, and I flew up to Mayo to have a knee replaced. I remember it was the one time, I think, in the 30-plus years that I've known you where the, your voice was cracking because you met with the media because you were going to be with your team. Yeah. That was – Yeah, that hurt. Um, you know, they talked about – you know, you're in the middle of the season. You just beat Ohio State. You, you think you have a really a nice team, and, and you're not going to be with them. I had never missed a game even thought about missing a game, whether you're sick, uh, had surgery or whatever. And now I'm, I have no choice. I've got to go. I've got to go to Mayo. And I think I left them Sunday after the game. I'm talking to the coaches every day. They put me on speakerphone with the players. I did videos with, for the players. Had thir- I think I had surgery on thir- Thursday or Friday before the Minnesota game. Mm-hmm. So you're able to you're watching the game in the Mayo Clinic, and I loved a couple of stories through the years. We'll go with media guy first, and then we'll go with Glenn Mason. Might have had it, some concerns about you having access to a television to watch the game, but there was one writer, you know, uh, rest his soul, Sid Hartman, who passed away here within the last year. But he was the one guy who was able to get through and, and contact you in the Mayo Clinic. Is, is yeah, that Sid real? had contacts. He was, <laughs> he's a donor at the Mayo. Because they, they, it was a tight ship, and uh, there weren't many people on my floor. No one could even get close. But Sid, you know, Sid got through. You know, thank, you know bless, his, bless his heart. I mean, he, he just passed away this past year, yep. and he'd call me. He'd look me up every time we went up there. I, I met Sid through Lou Holtz. Yep. He was very close to Lou. As he would say, I, I turned into one of his close personal friends. Of course. Of about 500 <laughs> of them, you know. But he didn't, he'd call me a couple times a year to interview every, every time we played Minnesota. And he'd tell the same stories, you know, about how he met me and how he told me, don't take the Wisconsin job. It's a terrible <laughs> job. Uh, but he got through. He was the only one. Oh, yeah. He would always be there. Remember, he'd be down the field talking to you guys before games, or he'd be parading in the press box, and he was there. He was, I mean. He'd what? walk right by everyone yeah. else. Yeah. Or he'd, he'd come in. <laughs> I'd be in, you're in a suite. Just, it's doors closed. It's all your people. Here's Sid. He's knocking everybody down because he wants to talk to you. That's you true. Know? <laughs> or you're there with all the media during the game or a break at halftime, and Sid just comes in and jumps right in the front. Yep. And, and you know what? They all respected him up there. Oh, yeah. Or tolerated him, maybe. But uh, I always like yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I always, Because I he was t- there. He, he showed up, I'm right? telling you. Yeah. He, they had no bigger – there was no bigger advocate for Minnesota athletics, mm-hmm. whether it be the Vikings or the Gophers, than Sid Hartman. He was an ally for that community and for the sports teams. And uh, he was just one of the classic – characters of our time yeah no i think anybody new to that town in a in a coaching position or any you know prominent position in in athletics probably were wise to yeah. get to know him a little yeah. bit uh yeah so the other the other aspect of this that i always found kind of funny because you were going to be able to watch the game and the gophers had some concerns apparently about that yeah glenn mason and i've been <laughs> friends I, I i met glenn way back when i was a high school coach in mason city he was a first-year assistant for Earl Bruce at, at Iowa State. So yep. we go way back, and he calls me. He said, I, you know what, i got a problem. I, I think you might have the advantage. You're going to be sitting up in that booth. I'm sure you'll have a phone, 
and you're watching the game on TV, and I don't have it. I said, well, I'll tell you what. Here's what we'll do make it even. I'll get a 12-pack of beer. I'll get another bet in here. We'll both watch the game at the same time. <laughs> no deals. No deal. <laughs> no deal. No deal. A great game. I mean, a hard, I mean, it's the rivalry. It's the act. So it's, you know, those games are supposed to be hard. Um, you, you guys get down, you score late, and then uh, – I know your your uh, fondness of kickers. I'll put it mildly, comes and goes. But you had some good ones. You know, you've had you had Davenport, Matt, Matt Davenport, and then Vitaly Pasetsky. Vitaly kicked it. That was his first game winner in the oh, in, was it in the, overtime? Okay. Yeah, one of the, the first yeah. overtime game. And you know what? We history. spent time. We spent time in two a days on overtime. Mm-hmm. So our guys had a pretty good field. They under, we we took time during out at the seminary going through how you go through an overtime, what you try to do. And if I remember right, we not got them for a loss early and then they miss a field goal. Mm-hmm. And now you know, you know, we're going to give it to Ronnie. We're going to get whatever we can get, you know, give give Vi a good position on the field, kick the, kick it and win. Mm-hmm. But they, they were really a good team. They were. They were a good team. And, and earlier that year, I think that team beat Ohio State Michigan for the first time. Uh, in the history, or for a long time up yep, there. Yep, they beat. I mean, they Penn, had some good wins. I want to say they beat Penn State that year too, in state college. Yeah. I mean, that it was looked really at one team. point like they they were they had the inside track at the, to the mm-hmm. Rose Bowl. Yeah, no, they were good. That was and it was a game that Ronnie had. I mean, Ronnie ran wild on most opponents in his career, but especially that year, he had to earn it. He had yeah. to earn it. That well, he day. was our offense. Yep. You yep. know, the guys would. I'd get criticism from fans. Hell, we know what you're going to do on first down. Well, no kidding. We're, we got one back. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we're two tight ends, and we have one back. Yep. I'm not going to let Mike Samuel throw on first down. So what, what do you think we're going to do? We're going to give it to Ron, but you got to still stop him, you know, and we're going to cover everybody up. You know, we, we could block nine. Yep. You know, we could block the front. We could, there's one, we couldn't account for one person. I tell Ronnie, you got to beat the safety yourself. You got to block him. Remember the tight ends were, was it Tim Davis, one of your assistants at the time, too, referred to them as linemen with wings. You yeah. Had Dag Retzlaff, yeah. John Sigmund, like 280-pound guys. And they were yeah, Retzlaff was 6'8", six, like six, <laughs> 275, and, and Sig. Sig was a good receiver. Mm-hmm. I remember Dag catching one went about 80 yards. I, I thought I was going to run out the quarter. <laughs> <laughs> a delay a game. <laughs> you go back though that that you know you won at Ohio State, you beat Minnesota, and you you weren't losing again. That was the run yeah. to where you guys just you know opened up a can on the Michigan State team that was really great against the run until that day. Ronnie had the the unbelievable game against uh, Purdue. Jamar Fletcher had a big pick six, but that those two games, Ohio State, Minnesota, got you off yeah. and running the rest and of that of course, season. Right? The Purdue games. Ooh. The Purdue games were classic <laughs> shootouts. Classic shootouts. Jump around started in ninety eight. In ninety eight game. Yeah, yeah. With Drew Brees, and that's a game he he broke a attempts rec, pass attempts, and completion record. And you know our philosophy going in, you know I, I told the guys, you know we couldn't play press man against them. We we just didn't have the personnel to play that way. But we're gonna we're gonna play soft. And the whole thing is we're gonna let them throw it catch it don't let them run with the ball after they catch it they catch it you tackle them and don't let anything go over your head Mm -hmm. sooner but you have to be patient it's just like the run game (laughs) you treat that short pass like a run 
And sooner or later, one's going to ricochet, and we're going to get a pick. They're going to drop something they're not supposed to. But it's you got to have patience. And I don't know how – you know, I, I watched the replay of that game. I don't know how, how – I had enough patience. Those for were it. long games. Ooh, they're hard. <laughs> they go forever, ever. Every incompletion, the clock stops. And, and uh, 85 throws, my goodness. Yeah. No, those are games. People talk about baseball and the games last long. Those are the Purdue games Ooh. all night. All day or all night. But those in 98 and 99, those were both great games for the, for the Badgers. DeMar Fletcher with two pick sixes. A ricochet for there. Yeah. Yeah, 98 for a touch, which, you know, at one point, you know, with them having all those yardage, and we to start the game, we couldn't move the ball. We couldn't block Roosevelt Colvin. Yeah, he was good. And he's playing against Mac, you mm-hmm. know, and that guy's – he was a great player, kid coming around him. I think Mac roughed him up a little bit. <laughs> Mac would do that a little bit. Oh, he'd bit. do that. <laughs> Mac was a tough guy. Yes, he was. You know, That's and, why you loved him. <laughs> and the uh, commissioner talked about his hands. Those, those hands and fists are like meatloafs. Like, uh, You're engulfed. <laughs> the big ham, ham hawk there. But uh, finally we started getting some movement uh, and, and moving the ball a little bit on offense. But, uh, you know, I think we were up late in the game. They scored a touchdown late. But we were up 17 points with a minute and a half left. Yep, you took control in the game. Took control. You did. I always think two of those. You know, the 98-99 Purdue games were were special, and I always think of the 04 game at Purdue because that series hasn't been the same ever since. They had won the previous year in Madison. And then it's a big game now. Purdue's undefeated, ranked fifth. Badgers are undefeated, ranked 10th. As you would call it, the classic big on big game. Uh, yeah. Game day was there. They had Kyle Orton, a Heisman candidate. And that old 14, Barry, that was, I mean, you, 98, obviously great defense. You had, you've had great defenses here. That old 14 was, for the bulk of the season, about as good as it gets yeah. defensively, right? Yeah. They, our D line was really good. Erasmus James was really playing extremely well he was one of the better maybe the best defensive end in the country Mm -hmm. uh, when he was healthy now as that game and and our defensive line was all of them were you know top-notch players I think they all ended up playing in the NFL I mean we we were just a good defense yeah yeah Jason Jefferson and Taj Hawthorne you mentioned Raz and then Jonathan Welsh that's a so you got five you got a nice rotation there all have different you know different strengths you know Jonathan and Raz and the other guys were big bodies inside but uh, that, that game it's interesting because Morgan Burke their athletic director told me years ago this was like three three years after that game that they still hadn't recovered from that game their <laughs> program hadn't recovered now you mentioned uh, they were ranked uh, fourth or fifth mm-hmm. game days there first time ever at Purdue at night playing against a ranked team, and they're a good team. Had they won that game, I, I looked at the rest of their schedule. They lost about three in a row all by like a point. Mm-hmm. I mean, they lost, I think at the end of the year, three or four games, and the total wasn't more than eight points. Right. And had they beaten us and kept that momentum, I, I think they would have probably played for the national championship. Yeah, they were good. I mean, that's how good they were. Yeah. But – you know, that just shows you how if you don't handle it right and get rid of a loss, we beat them four times and maybe longer than that because that lingered on. They never, as the AD said, they hadn't recovered for it. What was the line you always use? Don't let a team beat you twice. Yeah. 
Well, maybe they did four times. They did. We, <laughs> they year. did. They couldn't get it out of their system. That game was all but over. They're up. They're protecting a lead late. They're, it's third and short. And then they try to run a little bootleg. Well, he, you know what? Right? They had moved the ball. They're tough to cover. Yeah, they yeah. got you spread out all over the field. And as soon as you tighten it up. Now, if you remember in that game, we, we had some questions about their chop blocking. Mm -hmm. all, four, our, all four of our starters at defensive line, I think at one point, were out in that game. Yep. And he's a pretty good runner. Orton was a pretty good runner. And he pulled it down. You know, he'd throw the chunker, so he'd just keep moving the chains. Right. But a couple times, the first down before that, I thought he pulled it down and ran also. So this time, again, as you said, third and one, he's going to do it again, and he gets sloppy. He gets outside, and he has the ball on his outside hand, holding it out away from him. And we hit him in the ankles and hit the ball, or hit the ankles, and flip him. He does a helicopter. Mm -hmm. His head comes down, the ball comes out clearly before he hits the ground. And Starks is, uh, Scotty Starks is alert enough, instead of falling on it, picks it up and scores. Scoop and score. Yeah, yeah, scoop stunning. and score to win the game. Stunning. Just a, a stunning game. Yet, yeah. they have time to go down the field and trying to if at least send the game in overtime because the, the PAT was yeah, no we good. We missed the PAT, can you believe? <laughs> you love kickers. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to be that guy when you got to about the numbers. <laughs> You know, Vitaly wasn't the kicker then, but he always told the story. I remind him of this every time we see him. I said, you're the guy who would cuss out, you know, somebody in Russian on the sideline. If JP's barking at you, you just go, you always have a, have a comeback. So, yeah, I'm sure that was not a comfortable moment. And But yet they're driving down the field. And that was Brett. That was Brett's first year as a yeah, coordinator, right? Yeah. Brett Bielema. And they're within range, right? This game looks like it's going to OT. It was, I mean, they can make that field goal. 42 <laughs> yards and if I remember, he, I think he pushed it. He did. He, he did. He pushed it. Now you're right though about that D line and, and Erasmus James because it was a, it was a pre-snap penalty, right? He gets the yeah, guy chops him from outside in, hits him dead Ooh. in the ankle. Oh, and that was a you know, I remember talking to you guys as coaches during the week and Brett, I mean, just loved the defense because Purdue that was they could light it up, yeah, right? Joe yeah. Teller's teams were always a pain to play with what they could do offensively but I think see those are all rules that are changed now you know mm -hmm. we talked already about Mel Tucker yeah you know hitting somebody leading with his head and blowing him you know it, it's for when that's your guy and it wins the game it's great but if it's the other guy I mean it could have done some damage some really serious damage and now we've pretty much taken that out of the game the the hit on our hit on on Orton was was a clean hit it was just mm -hmm. a, a low tackle that flipped him but they were chopping. I mean, you can't do that. You can't block outside in right. and hit somebody below the knees. Oh, those are season enders, yeah. potentially, right? Yeah, Robert Brooks helped force that fumble. And, and yeah. Sparky, Scott Starks, with, with the scoop and score. So I, I think a lot of folks were probably, after that game, thinking, well, I've seen about everything now. Well, no, <laughs> we haven't. 2005 at Minnesota. Again, a, a good game. Two ranked teams. Gophers are 22nd. Uh, the Badgers are 23rd. Both teams are 5-1. and one. That was a year where you guys could light it up offensively. There was a lot of turnover defensively. So there were you know some games that became shootouts. And this, this was one of them. They had – I had to double-check this. They rushed for 400 
11 yards that game. They had Lawrence Maroney and Gary Russell, really good running backs. Well, I was thinking it was Barber. It was Russell. Mm, yeah, it was. I was thinking the same thing. I had to look. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, Gary Russell. But Lawrence Maroney, uh, you know, went on really good we pro tried career. To, I mean, we, we had – Maroney was here on a visit. Mm-hmm. And what a back he turned out to be. And mm. ended up playing for, for New England. We could not stop them. Yep. They were whistling the ball up and down. I mean, I, you know, all the years I coached defense, you know, if, if somebody rushed for 100 yards, I'd be – Really upset, <laughs> really upset to rush for 400. And, and the game, game comes down to they have a fourth and one, but it's from the 20. And Mace decides to punt the ball. That's right. It, there's no way we can stop. We haven't stopped them all day, <laughs> let alone for a yard. But thank goodness he, he he decided to punt it. Yeah, you're right. It was Lawrence Maroney. And they couldn't stop us either. No, no, your guy, either running or or in the passing game, Brian Calhoun rushed for three touchdowns. B-Will, B. Brandon Will. Williams had they himself They couldn't cover B-Will. Yeah. They could not cover B-Will. We, we needed the ball back, and, you know, if, if he had it to do over again, I know he'd fourth and one, he's running. Ooh, ooh, John Stocko had a really good game yeah. throwing the ball. But, yeah, they uh, – that was bizarre. It was, I mean, because the Gopher fans are thinking they're gonna they're gonna charge across the field. They're gonna get watch their guys get the axe. Punt snap was good enough. Punter, who's a good punter, went on to he had a very good career. Had a really bad moment for him. Dropped it. Jonathan Casillas blocks the punt, and Ben Strickland. Ben Strickland. And, and, and you know what? Keeping the ball in play keeping it in the end zone because it's right. you're running like crazy you got he and Casillas going like really going hard after the ball it's very easy to hit it with your knee or hit it with your chest or not yeah. scoop it up you know you're supposed to when you recover you're supposed to dive next to it mm-hmm. and scoop it in well you know in the heat of battle sometimes you don't remember that but because if they knock it through it it's a safety you're, and, you're and down you know, one <laughs> yeah so for them to keep it in, first of all, John gets has the wherewithal to get the block. You still have to see the ball coming off the kicker's foot, and uh, and then for Benny to to keep it in bounds to score it, <laughs> win a touchdown, and it, it was a gasp in that stadium. And oh. I I can remember seeing the replay of the game and and the fans. You just they're all sitting there with their mouths just wide open, <laughs> and I go out and, and Mace looks like he's shell shocked when I get out to the middle. He looks at me and just says. You know, when you think you've seen it all, you haven't. Oh, it was – and at the Metrodome, I can remember this, our our radio booth, you could reach out and shake hands with people, or yeah. they probably didn't want to shake our hands with our – but anyway, I'm looking across. Daryl Thompson, his work – you know, he played, played with the Gophers, played in the NFL with the Packers. They're in the booth next to us, and I just look at him. I shrug my shoulders. I don't know, and he's got he's just shaking his head like, "Wow!" I now I think <laughs> I have. And that was an unbelievable day in college football too. There was October fifteenth, two thousand five, day of the Bush Push, USC Notre Dame. Yeah. There were a couple other. There were many other wild games in college football, but the Wisconsin Minnesota yeah, game made right just there. in unlikely endings. Yeah, it was it was un. How do you rush for four hundred plus yards and lose? Right. I mean, I, I remember as coaches, right? Was it an old line like sometimes you're going to give up 300 passing? That's how it works. But if you give up 300 
plus rushing. You, That's you are not managing the game. Right. <laughs> Whoever's running the ball, they have total control of the game. <laughs> but that was, you know, you guys, you had to adjust to the, you know, to your personnel. There was a lot of turnover defensively with, yeah. with you know, a lot of guys had moved on, graduated, gone on to the NFL. But you had Brian Calhoun, who had a great year for yeah. you. You beat Michigan that year. John Stocko. Um that was a heck of a last full year coaching for you. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, that was fun. And that crew, you know, you know, and then to go, you know, you go on and finish my last game. Mm-hmm. You know, my last regular season game or the bowl game that year. Play a great, really a talented Auburn team. Yeah, and and I I remember when we were the bowl selection came out. I happened to be in Milwaukee at a function and. Everybody's they're they're feeling sorry for me. The last game, oh, we felt so bad. You're gonna you got Auburn as a draw. I think Ted Callender and I are the only two in the whole place that think we have a chance to win. And <laughs> it goes on further. We, you know, we go to the the next day. I go to the press conference and and uh, even my wife. I told this story. I told it mm-hmm. the day I left, but it's a true story. You know, we finished them, and she's always very honest with me. We finished the press conference, and she says, uh, "Oh, you really did a good job today. Media, they love you down here. Probably going to get your ass beat, but the media <laughs> loves you." And that's why it put in my head coming back. I'm flying back, and I'm thinking, you know, you can go into a game thinking you're going to lose, mm-hmm. and my guys are going to read. You know, they they read the paper like everybody else, and you mm-hmm. look at the line. And we're like minus 17 or plus 17. We're, you know, everybody knows we're big underdogs in the game. So I, I came in. I said, I just came up with a plan to just build confidence. And first meeting, I called with the coaches. I said, hey, let me tell you something. I'm studying. I just came from, from down there. I got all their information. I looked at our matchup. We have a great matchup. We match up great with these guys. I hadn't looked at one film. I don't even know. I know their quarterback. That's about all I knew. And, and, <laughs> I don't. I, oh, and, and I said, you know, we played these guys a few years ago. We had a bad call on a punt, or we'd have beat them them. And they had Cadillac Williams and mm-hmm. and the other guy. They had two great backs. I don't think they're as good as this year. They were actually better this year. <laughs> but I said, I don't think they're as good. And we should. We're, we're better than we were, and we should have won that game. You know. And I said, I'm going to talk to the team first. So I said, we go down. We have have a our, our scouting report. Go, go through the same thing with the team. You know, I've just watched the film matchups great every go right through position by position and stayed upbeat during the whole week and i said you know when you go to a bowl game you want to win everything every contest you have mm-hmm. you know even one uh had tommy tuberville and i they had alligators in a pond and you had to grab <laughs> who could pull the alligator out they had the two head coaches out there well this alligator of mine he kind of wrapped his front paws around <laughs> un- up under there so i told my guy help me i said kick him in it kick him under the net <laughs> So I, had, so I look for an edge. And I can't move. <laughs> Boom! He gives him a quick kick under the neck, and his arms come up, and I flip him out of the water. The only ones that saw it were the Auburn players, and they start raising the hell. But I, you know, I claim victory. We're going to win everything, right up to the game. And you did. Uh, we did. Were you at all in that last series? Uh, before we wrap it up here, you guys were, you know, on the goal line, and and yet, and Stocko took a knee. Were you at all tempted to punch it in and, and win by three touchdowns instead of two? I wanted to win by. I really did. Um, <laughs> And I ran a jet sweep on the play before that. With I, I, I wanted B. Will to B. score because I figured there's no way that they're going to chase him down and stop us. They tackled him on the one, and I just said, you know what? It's it's a lot classier to take a knee right there. They know 
they know it was uh, it was a sincere whipping, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't need to rub it in. Tommy's a good guy. Yep, I always liked Tommy. So, but it, it, when that when that happened after the play, Riola grabs or Stocko and Riola come running to me after the after the play to hand me the ball, and Riola, classic Riola, he's gonna. You know, he's going to pull my chain. Coach, you told me you weren't going to pull the gas off. You know, <laughs> you let up on the gas. You know, they started laughing. But uh, oh, that was fun. Oh, that was awesome. And Tuberville, didn't it, after the game, he said they, they, they got hurt by the Badgers' speed. You guys are supposed to yeah. be the thick ankled guys, right? Yeah. And, well, yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't keep up. Couldn't control their speed. Fun, fun memories. Just a few. There's so many more. We just thought we'd pluck a few over the years. Wheels up. Download the Wheels Up app to explore private jet options and pricing for your next trip. With over 35 years history of developing and managing exceptional residential communities throughout southeastern Wisconsin and beyond, our commitment to exceeding our residents' needs and expectations in everything we do is more than just a guarantee. It is the fiduciary difference. Fiduciary Real Estate Development Incorporated, where every day we are living the difference for our residents, our communities, and our investors. Hi, I'm Sean Cleary. We design, engineer, and manufacture everything in-house so we can back up the promise to deliver the building of your dreams. Visit clearybuilding.com today. Everybody's got a goal, and everybody's got something standing in their way. To achieve that goal, you've got to put in the work. Grit your teeth, sweat, reach, grind, push. No shortcuts, no quick fixes, no answers in a book. There's no way around it. Under Armour, the only way is through. Special thanks again to our supporting sponsors. Annex Wealth Management. Financial independence starts with a comprehensive plan that understands you and your priorities. Annex Wealth Management's team is ready to help consider all the complexities. Know the difference. Mueller Sports Medicine is proud to sponsor Barry Alvarez in his own words. For 60 years, Mueller has been developing better products to protect athletes and enhance performance. Learn more at MuellerSportsMed.com. Cleary Building Corp. We protect what you value. Visit clearybuilding.com to see the Cleary difference. Fiduciary Real Estate Development Inc., where every day we are living the difference for our residents, our communities, and our investors. Wheels Up. Download the Wheels Up app to explore private jet options and pricing for your next trip. Under Armour, the only way is through. Thanks to our production team, audio engineer Dave McCann, and our editor, Mallory Pilon. A reminder that you can hear this entire series now. It's available from iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Matt LePay, and we thank you for listening to Barry Alvarez in his own words. A production of iHeartRadio.